So welcome to Grace. My name's Clint Harrison. I'm the campus pastor here, and we are in a series called Finding Freedom, Walking Through the Book of Romans. And so just to start off, I, I want to tell you a story about my wife and how we met. So we met in a Bible college called Columbia International University. It's in Columbia, South Carolina. And any USC fans? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> so anyways, we were there, and I, I was new. And she was too, and so we showed up on campus, and I actually met her in our student lobby. So tons of students everywhere, lots of people. It was a busy time, you know, beginning of the semester. And I got there, and we were chatting, and I got wind that this cute girl, which was my wife, Jean, was a high school weightlifter. She went to state. And I was like, okay. So I started chatting it up with her, talking to her, getting to know her a little bit. And I just said, hey, I, I heard you were like some kind of state weightlifter or something. And she goes, yeah, you know, I, I, I lifted weights in high school, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, well, you know, how, how many push-ups can you do? And she, she's super shy in the moment. And you know what she said to me? More than you. And I was like, okay, like, all right, we, we can do this. And so I automatically went in overdrive because I was trying to like flirt with her. So I was like, okay, well, let's just check that out right now. And I was like, let's do a push-up contest. And she's like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I'm serious. She's like, all right, let's go. So we get down and I'm not kidding, 50 students surround us and they're all chanting Gene's name at each push-up. It was ridiculous. I was sitting there like, are you serious right now? They're, G, 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 you know, that, that kind of thing. So we get into 10 push-ups. I'm feeling good, right? 20 push-ups, I'm feeling great. 30 push-ups, I'm still going, so is she. <laughs> I'm like, okay. We get to 40 push-ups, I'm starting to slow down. I'm getting nervous, right? I'm like, what, what, what is happening? Like, what, what is going on? We get to 50, she's still going. And I'm like, I can't go much longer. You know, like, I think the most I'd ever done in my life was, like, 50 push-ups. But, like, my pride and my arrogance, I'm just, I can't lose. Like, everything I got, right? So how, just, just take a guess. How many push-ups do you think she does? Now, these aren't on her knees. These are, like, full-blown push-ups. Wow. Did I hear 300? I mean, <laughs> she did 61 push-ups. Way more than I'd ever done. I did 63. Just pulled it out. I mean, I was sweating hard. It was the most I'd ever done. I was like, thank you, Lord. So we get done. Here's the thing. I, I, I saw her. She was cute. She was strong. And that was great. But as I got to know her, I realized there's so much more to her. Like, she's not a just intelligent. She's not just a great person. She's not just cute. She's not just strong. She is the woman who shepherds my heart. As we've gone through life year after year, she's the one that I'm talking to. She's the one who's investing in me. She's the one who's pouring into me and saying, hey, it's going to be good. We're going to get through this. She's a strength. She's like a tower for me. She's amazing. And when I first met her, all I saw was she was cute and strong. And that was about it. There was so much more to her. And here's the crazy thing. As we've been going through the book of Romans, and really this is the way scripture is, there is so much more to God than we can fathom. And so what Romans does is, and what he's going to do in our passage today, is he's going to show us different angles and reflections and truths. He's going to talk about peace. He's going to talk about reconciliation, sacrifice, faith. He's going to talk about all of these things and how we can see God and experience God and meet with God on so many different levels. 
And he's saying, I want to invite you into that story. I want to invite you to this amazing God that you think you know, but there's so much more to him. There's so much more to him. And so that's where we're headed today. We're going to see all kinds of angles, and hopefully you can experience the love and the grace of God in our text today. And so we're jumping in Romans chapter 1, I mean chapter 5, verse 1. Before we dive in, I want to give you a little context if you haven't been with us. Chapters 1 through 3, this is very summation. It's all about, hey, we are broken, fallen, and in need of a Savior. And then it starts to turn the corner in chapter 4 where this promise comes that it it came to a man named Abraham and that we, like Abraham, not according to our works, but according to faith, that we could be saved as well, that we could be set free. And then in chapter 5, last week especially, it began to start talking about how we can have hope in God. And now this week, it's going to continue this application of what it means to have a relationship with God. So let's jump in. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It's the Apostle Paul. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Let me, let me change out that word justified. Since we have been declared righteous already and fully and finally one day when Jesus returns. We will be declared righteous before God. We will be seen as holy as right with our Father. We will be declared, not only now, but when Jesus returns, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Paul's speaking this this great language. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, not by our works, not by anything that we can muster up or do or accomplish, it's what Jesus has done on the cross for us, and that he rose from the dead, and that we will resurrect with him as well. So therefore, Paul, Since we have been justified by faith, here comes the phrase, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by faith that we have peace with God. So when I ask you, where, where are you longing for peace? Where is it? Maybe let's just, let's talk about locations. Some of you, when you get in the car, automatically stress shoots through the roof. It's a place of just craziness for you. And so when you get in the car, you're longing, man, God, could I have peace in my car today? Maybe it's not the car. Maybe it's, I I literally, I I was having a conversation with a guy I'm friends with him and he came in, he said, hey man, I just want you to know, I love you, but church equals baggage for me. And so when I show up and I sit and you start preaching, he's like, "I I don't hear any of it. It's like, Everything goes out the window and I'm processing all of my stuff. And and I I wish I could have peace when I came here. Maybe it's not church. Maybe it's not a car. Maybe it's your house. Like you just, when you're in it, you're like, man, I'm just anxious all the time. Or it's the ball field for a student. I I don't know where that location is for you. Maybe it's not a location. Maybe it's, it's a person. Like immediately, as I said, where do you long for peace? You're like, man, I am at war with someone in my life. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a friend, a, a, another friend at school, somebody on your team. Where are you longing for peace? Maybe it's not a location. Maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's the time of day. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm helping you think through where are you longing for peace in your life? 
Maybe it's the witching hour, like that four to six-ish time where you're just like, everything in my house is crazy. And even leading up to it, you're starting to feel the anxiety, the peace is going away from you. And you're like, oh my gosh, we just got to get through it. God, would you give me peace in the witching hour? Maybe it's not that time. Maybe it's when you go to sleep. Like you're about to lay down and you know you're not going to be able to go to sleep. Like you know that. You know you're going to start taking pills. You know you're going to start going through the mantras. You know you're going to start praying out loud. God, would you just, would you give me peace? Could I just sleep tonight? Like you just long for the night that you could just lay down in your bed and just, oh my gosh, I went to sleep. That was amazing. I didn't have to do all this stuff. I didn't have to get worked up. Maybe it's not sleep. Maybe it's when you wake up in the morning, you know what's ahead of your day and you're just filled with anxiety and you long for peace. Where is it? Where are you longing for peace? Maybe it's not a location. Maybe it's not a time. Maybe it's not a person outside of you. Maybe, just maybe, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the person who has that internal critic. There's a show that Gina and I have watched, and it's really fascinating. She, um, it's about a woman who, and it's, it's getting popular, you know, people are watching her or whatever. It's about this woman who basically franchises the first aerobics video. And so she's dialed in, and, and here's what's crazy. Her, she's into aerobics, she's into working out, and she has this horrible relationship with food. She's fit physically, and she just binges on food and then gets rid of it. And then when she's stressed again, binges on food and then gets rid of it. This is where it gets interesting. If you listen to the internal critic in the show, she is so evil and hateful and disgusting to herself. Like the things that she says to herself, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, how do, how do you speak to yourself that way and then have a normal life? Like it's, it's almost overwhelming. for Maybe that's you. Maybe you're longing for peace internally. Like you're just that inner critic. You're constantly being negative and you need to be set free. This is... This is really good news for you if you're in this room and you're an anxious person or you're, you're a person that worries at a location or a person or a day or you have an inner critic. Listen to these words. Therefore, since you have been declared righteous, since the greatest problem on earth, which is your sin that brings you death, separation from a holy and just and perfect God, guess what? He sent his son to die for you so that you could be right with him. And you know what that means? You are no longer at war with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. That is such good news for you, for me, for those who would put their faith in Christ. Why? We have peace with God. The funny thing is we long for peace in all of these areas. And the, really the way to find peace isn't to go, okay, I'm going to have peace in my car. I'm going to have peace with this person. I'm going to have peace with myself. No, no, no. It's the peace of God that you need. I, I had somebody recently come up to me, and this is very common. They've come up to me and they've said, hey, listen, Clint, you, you just got to understand, like me and God, we're good. He's holy. He's just, he's good. He's righteous. He's all those things. Me and God, we're good. It's all the people. <laughs> it's all the people. You ever been there? Like me and God are good, but all these people, I'm not good with them. 
I'm not okay. Some of you are starting to loosen up and laugh a little. Okay. But, but like, do you ever feel that way? You've been there? I hear it a lot. And I sat down with this person. I just said, hey, listen, I just want you to consider this. We have a vertical relationship with God and we have a horizontal relationship with other people. If your horizontal relationship is a muck, here's my guess. Your vertical relationship isn't as strong as you really think. There's probably something amiss. You probably don't have peace internally with God. And instead of fixing your eyes on what Jesus has done, on who he is and how he's changed and shaped and molded your life around this peace, around this gospel, around this hope, around this truth, and instead of listening to yourself of all the negative and all the situations and all the problems and all the locations going, no, 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 there's a God who, who is in heaven. He's above all of this. And I'm at peace with my creator. And by his grace and by his love and by his, his, his loving kindness in my life, I can be at peace with others. I can be at peace in this situation because he's greater than everything else. That's the picture. We have peace with God. Verse two, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. That word access, it's an important word for us even today. Like, let's just step aside from the Bible. Access is a big deal. People long for access in other countries for education. People long for access even here when someone gets sick and they go to the hospital and you can't go and be with them. Their friends, their family members maybe can't come. Access is a big deal. We were at an Airbnb a couple of weeks ago for a couple of nights and we just cut on the TV. There was the Olympics was on. It was a 16-year-old USA Olympian there alone without her family, without her friends. People long for access all over the world. You do too whatever it is. But, but watch this. You see these things that we long for? We, we long for peace. We long for access. We, we feel that. We know that. And what does it say? Through him, we have also obtained access by faith. Again, not according to what we can muster up or do or carry out what he's done. We have access into this grace. We have access to his favor, to his blessing, to his wholeness, to his good. We have access to God through Jesus. We have access to be set free, to be forgiven, to be encouraged. And as you're going to see in this text, as we get, where we have access to the lover of all lovers, to the greatest God of all. So through him, we also obtain access by faith into the grace in which we, listen to that language, stand into which we stand. It makes me think of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. This is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Just, just hear this. Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord. Why? Because you have access to the whole armor of God, to everything that you would need to stand, not to sit down, not to lay down, but to stand and to say, I'm going to walk with God. 
I'm going to face that half-truth. I'm going to face that situation at my job. I'm going to face that relationship. I'm going to face this life because I have the access of the grace of God. I just want to spell this out for you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the lies, the traps, the deceit that the world pours out, that others pour out, that maybe you and your internal critic pour out, right? For we do not wrestle. That's literally like hand-to-hand combat, getting into it, MMA-style wrestling. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual places, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He's saying, "I, I, I got you. And what you see, what you think is the problem, it's not the whole picture. You're seeing flesh and blood. You're seeing somebody getting angry. You're seeing people getting tired. You're seeing situations where you feel overwhelmed, but there's a whole other picture that you can't see. And if you would just stand, if you would just believe, if you would just walk with me, I'm gonna take care of you. You have access to that kind of grace. And then he spells it out. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to to withstand in the evil day, which is today, and having done all to, listen to that language, stand firm. Not retreat, not run, again, not sit down, to stand. You can do that with the access of God's grace. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and its shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, listen to this language, all the flaming darts. Some, a few, maybe with that situation, but not that one. No, no, no. All the flaming darts. You have this access that's unbelievable. It's the grace of God through his son. That's what he's saying. Stand. So let's go back to our text in Ephesians. I mean, in Romans. By faith into this grace in which we stand. And so we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I just want to ask you, does it mean, okay, so we've got this access, so we're going we're gonna to rejoice because all the car lines tomorrow at school is going to go away? Is that why we're going to rejoice? Right? Y'all, somebody said, please, like, could you just say an extra prayer right now? Can we just, just call it like right now, right? No, that's, that's not what he's saying. That, that everyone agrees on mask. Is that what we're rejoicing over? No. Is COVID gone? Is confusion gone? No, it's not why we're rejoicing. Is there no more pain, no more sorrow, no more brokenness? Is that why we're rejoicing? No, no, no. He says, hey, listen, we're going to stand in this grace and we are going to rejoice. And I'm going to change the word in a second, but we are going to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We just sang about the glory of God. You know what that means? We have this access to grace. We are justified. We have peace and we have hope in the midst of everything. You know why? Because there's a glorious God who transcends everything. 
His majesty, his beauty, his glory transcends every problem, situation, story, whatever conflict, whatever internal critic. No, no, he's saying, listen, you've got this access and you can stand firm. You're going to be okay. I got you. I got you. You have this hope in the glory of God, but really the word even means more than that. It's this idea, it's not rejoice, but boast. That you can boast in the fact that you have hope because there's a God who's bigger than whatever situation you're in. That's the picture. Let's keep going. So not only that, but we rejoice. I'm going to use the word boast. Other translations use it. And I think it's a better translation. It's a better capture. It can also mean glory. So you can boast or glory in. Watch this language. This is crazy. Not only that, but we boast in our sufferings. I'm going to change the word to afflictions. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So let's just take this. We're going to boast in our afflictions and our sufferings. Strong language. Why? Knowing that we are going to experience the love of God that's being poured out through the Holy Spirit in a way that it does something. It creates character and endurance and hope. Literally, it's creating, it's building, something's coming out of us as we go through these trials, as we face these temptations, as we hit affliction and suffering. Paul is saying, hey, listen, I know I just said I gave you peace and you're justified and you have access, but I know you got real problems. Like, I know you face real stuff and it's hard. And you're like, what do you do about that, Paul? And Paul's like, right here. You're going to experience the love of God in a way that you wouldn't. And you're going to come out stronger and better in many ways. You're going to come out with faith. So I I think of my my daughter. So um, five years ago, a year before we moved here, we are in Macon, Georgia. I'm going away for a conference for three days, church conference. And right before we leave, it's me and my wife. My parents are keeping our kids. Uh, Aubrey, like her face just starts, she had been out on the sun all day. And her face, she started to show up all these like spots on her head. And we we're like, is it like sun, like poisoning? Is it, is it like an allergy? Like she eats something? We don't know what it is. But she's not feeling good, but it's going to be okay. We give her some Benadryl and we leave. My mom's like, we'll be fine, you know. And so we head out and we get to the conference and just to give you a little bit about my mom, my mom is the person who like the house is on fire and she's like, I think we should probably leave in like a minute or two. Like just super chill all the time. Nothing phases her. Everything can be falling apart. She's like, hey, you know what I mean? Like that's just my mom. And so we get a text from my mom and she goes, hey, um, I just want you to know uh, Aubrey's starting to get a little worse. And so we're going to take her to the doctor. And so, you know, immediately my wife's like, what's going on? Like, you know, and I'm like, it'll be fine, honey. We're having a great time. You know, the whole deal. So we get another text and this time a phone call from my wife back to my my mom. My mom said, we took her to the doctor and she, the doctor thinks that she has scarlet fever. And I was like, scarlet fever, is that still a thing? Like, 
people still get that? Like, I was, I was thinking that. And so anyways, my mom, Jean automatically picks the phone. like, everything okay? And she's like, it's okay. We're going to monitor it. The doctor's on it. Like, she's going to be all right. We're just going to, we're going to give her some meds, the whole deal. Get done. We're headed back from the conference, okay? We show up at the house. We go to pick up our daughter, our daughters. And as soon as we walk in, my mom looks at us and goes, it's gotten worse today. I'm just giving you a heads up. And I was like, oh boy. So my wife is not like my mom. As soon as she saw Aubrey, who's seven years old, when she saw her face, she screamed out loud, oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh, we are going to the hospital now. And she's looking at me like, I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to put that aside. But she's, <laughs> she's looking at me. She's looking at me and she's like, let's go now. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing bags, you know, carrying kids, doing the whole deal. And we're off to the hospital or to the pediatrician. We knew the doctor. He went to my church. And so we immediately called him. He said, send me pictures. And he goes, hey, listen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now. Skip the lines. Tell them, Dr. Slade said, just come through. And I'm not there, but they're going to take care of you. So we get there. I said, hey, Dr. Slade just told us we could just come straight back. And they said, yeah, sure, come on. So the doctor, this is how it went down. Doctor comes, or, or the nurse comes and looks at her and goes, hey, let's, or let's, we're just going to weigh you. And she looked at her and she goes, no, we're not. Just come on back. Her face uh, was swollen. Her eyes were shut. Pus was coming out. And her skin was a different color. And so we're back there and all the nurses and all the doctors are in there kind of looking and talking. I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, we're going to immediately go to the hospital. Y'all are, y'all are, you know, set to go. So we immediately go to the hospital. We get there. I think in the matter of four, to, I don't know, six hours, my timing is terrible. My wife's way better at details than I From four to six hours, we had seen all kinds of specialists just coming in and out, coming in and out, coming in and out. They're all asking questions. They're all huddling. We saw the ophthalmologist. We saw the, you know, the ER doctor, we saw the, the, um, the disease doctor, like the intensive disease doctor. I can't think of the names. But anyways, we finally get through them all. And, and here's what my wife asked every time, because her eyes were literally shutting in. She asked three questions. She's going to go blind. She's going to die. She's going to be okay. And every doctor would not give us an answer. And so my wife's panicking, you know, and finally the dermatologist doctor comes He's last. I knew the guy. He walks in. He goes, all right, let's see what we're dealing with. Pulls out a, um, a tongue depressor, literally like a popsicle stick, opens up her shirt, swipes down, all of her skin comes straight off. And we were like, and I'm sitting there looking at, and he immediately goes into like eight full on, we're, this is where we're headed. I'm going to tell you what to do. And my wife just immediately bursts into tears. And so she asked the questions and he said, We're, here's what I can tell you, okay? You know, are you going to go blind? Are you going to die? Are you going to be okay? And he said, I can tell you this. We are going to send your daughter to the burn unit in Augustus an hour and a half away. They are specialists at this. People do not die from burns. They die from infection. So that's good news for you. We're headed there now. So we hop in the car. There's probably a thousand plus people praying from our church and around uh, praying for us. And so we get in the car, we're headed there. I hop in my car, she's in the emergency you know, van. We get there and we're at, in the office and we, we sign in, we get in. Everybody's in hazmat suits. We're walking in and there's people that are burned and we're just walking through. And I didn't tell you this, my wife was eight months pregnant at the time and she actually got admitted that night 
because she was so stressed out that I thought she was going to have the baby. So it was just a fantastic day, right? And so we're in there and, and, and we sit down and we go through all the things. We all got, you know, the stuff on and this is pre-COVID, you know what I mean? Like the whole deal. And so we're in there and finally the guy, like the top doctor comes in and he goes, all right, let me see what we got. He looks at the charts, looks at her, goes, all right. And she immediately fires off three questions. She's going to go blind. She's going to die. She's going to be okay. He goes, she's not going to go blind. She's not going to die. She's going to be okay. She has staph scalded skin. It's an infection that goes into your body, went into her bloodstream, and she is literally going to lose all of her skin. And it's going to be really scary and really weird, but that's what it is. It's not Tins, It's not Stevens Johnson's. She's going to be okay. I see this all the time. Other doctors don't. She's going to be okay. So, Fast forward, okay, I just want to tell you Aubrey's experience, because this is where it comes in. Her experience was she started to close up. She stopped talking. She was getting poked all the time. She didn't know what to do. So she stopped responding. And finally we get home, and we're trying to get her to talk. And she finally starts talking, and she just said, God, I mean, she said, Dad, how could God do this to me? I don't understand. I don't get it. She's crying. She's angry. We, we sat with her, we prayed with her, we talked through kind of a big picture of who God is. And, and it, can I just tell you, it's like this. It's like in John chapter 6, verses 66 and following, Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, hey, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And all the disciples are like, what? Because that's super offensive to Jewish people. And so what happens, it says in verse 66, they literally depart from Jesus. And he turns to his 12 disciples, his buddies, his friends. He goes, you going to go too? And Peter pipes up and says, where else would we go? You are the son of the eternal God and, and we don't have anything else. You're it. That was the way I felt my daughter was in this situation. After she had cried and been angry for weeks and we talked it through, she finally said, daddy, I don't know where else I would go. I believe that there's a God who's bigger than this. He's got a plan that I don't understand. And though I'm hurt, I believe that God loves me. And I believe that he has a plan for me. She ended up giving her life to Christ. And, and here's the thing. Listen to this text, okay? Not only that, but we boast. We actually declare, we tell about, we testify in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces endurance. That's what we saw. And endurance produces character. And character produced this hope in my daughter's life where I knew without a shadow of a doubt she was a follower of Christ. It wasn't just smoke. It wasn't just something she said. It was the real deal. That's the picture here. He says, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love is poured out. That word poured out is continually. It's in the perfect tense and it's, in the, it's literally coming out constantly through the Holy Spirit. You know, some of us think about Peter and, and he's walking with Jesus, so it's easy for him to say those words. Guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of those who believe in him. So when you sleep, when you have conflict, when you're anxious, when you're tired, when you go to bed, whatever, he's with you. And he's constantly, you're experiencing the love of God, even though you can't see it at first, he's there. He's there. Now, I want you to see, because I want to break this down for our next few verses. You're going to see three things. You'll see it on the screen. You're going to see these three phrases throughout the text, and they are key. For while we were still weak, 
while we were still sinners, while we were enemies. He's capturing this picture of who we are apart from Christ. And and can I even say, as a believer, we fall in these categories as well. And this is going to apply and shape us. Let's jump into the text. Verse 6. For while we were still weak, while we were broken, human, fleshly, fallen, while we were unable to rescue ourselves, that's what it means. At the right time, Christ died in place of us, instead of us. He substituted his perfect life for our sinful life. We were unable to save ourselves and he saved us. How many of you, believer or unbeliever, how many of you feel weak, like you're unable to change you? You're unable to change your circumstance. You're unable to change anything in your life, it feels like. While we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. It's probably true, right? Though perhaps for a good person, one might dare even to die. Like, it would be hard. Like, I don't know that I want to die for you. I don't really know you, right? Verse 8, but God shows his, listen to that, his love again, his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. They rejected Jesus. They betrayed him. While many of them, listen, think about this, think about their context. They are actively sinning against God in this, in this space. And Jesus goes on a cross for them. It's crazy. And he does that for us. Are any of you in that boat, you're still a sinner. You're still broken. Maybe it's the sin of the past or something very present. Christ died for you. Verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified, there's that declared righteous by his blood or his sacrifice, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of the coming God. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, not just helpless, not just sinner, but an enemy, an enemy, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, made right. We've got this relationship that's fixed. We're reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Both now and in the future, we're going to be with him. You see that hope? You see that victory? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were helpless sinners, enemies of God, and he sent his son in our place. It's the love that God has for us. So whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, Jesus is enough. And I want to share this with you. This is from a person. And this is a quote, and I just felt like it captures so well how many of us feel. And this is what it says. This past year, I gave up on God. As things were just too hard. A couple of months ago, I decided I needed something. I didn't know what, but my life was an absolute mess. So I figured maybe church was a good option to try. I have a lot of trauma with churches. Honestly, I thought God was done with me and could never forgive me for what all happened and walking away from God himself. This person expressed they're beginning to embrace the love of God again. 
And that week after week, as they hear messages, as they, as they receive communion, as all the things, counseling, all, all the things that God is just opening the door of love again, of grace again. And I responded, you do know that whatever you've done, whatever thoughts, whatever actions, whatever, whatever stuff you've done, Jesus is more than enough to forgive and change and set you free. That's our hope. That's the truth that we have in Christ. And I hope that you have it as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we meditate on different angles of you, on different truths of you, God, that we would see you differently and that we would experience your peace and your reconciliation and your forgiveness and that we would see the access that we have that we've been longing for, the access of your favor and of your blessing and of your grace. And God, that you would encourage this body to follow you, to be renewed by you, to stand in victory because we have you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.